0: a new phase in our friendship
1: hey you want to go somewhere and do a do a podcast hey do you podcast around here much hey what's I, your major
0: I've, i haven't seen you podcasting around here before <laughs> can i pod you a cast
1: what what does that one
0: mean can i buy you a podcast is what i was trying to say
1: <laughs> we met on that site okay podcast we had a 92 <laughs> percent match <laughs>
0: If there was a site called OK podcast, I would hope that we would get on it. That would be nice if they Yeah, this is this is an
1: OK podcast.
0: <laughs> uh welcome to Overdue. We're an OK podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig.
1: <laughs> My name is Andrew.
0: And yeah, thanks for joining us. Each week we read a new book and talk about it. And hopefully you've listened before. If not, welcome. That's all I got. <laughs> Hello. Uh, But not every book that we read is a story, right, Andrew?
1: Well, I mean, not every book that we read is a novel.
0: That's kind of what I meant. I mean, most, I meant. Of them are,
1: <laughs> most of them have stories.
0: The only book, the only nonfiction book we've read is Elements of Style, right? Is that true?
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as I know, given, uh, you know, if like Life of Pi and Grendel weren't like based in fact at some point.
0: I don't think they were. Okay. What, I'm just you picking, know? I just
1: picked a couple, like...
0: Oh, I thought you were trying to be really specific.
1: No. <laughs> I picked a. I picked a couple of the ones that are less likely to have anything to do with reality.
0: <laughs> okay. What did you read this week?
1: Um, I read Oscar Wilde's The Importance of Being Earnest.
0: I think I've heard of that one. That's a play, right?
1: Yes, it okay. is a play. I'm it's a play, suspicious. right? By a playwright. <laughs>
0: oh, Jesus.
1: Um, uh, why and... did you
0: read this play, Andrew?
1: Because it's it's one of those that we've brought up before, I think. Okay, and like possible. I've heard of it a bunch of times, and it has like I think it's one of Oscar Wilde's um, better known it is works. The play. I mean, yes, yeah. I'm not I'm not like intimately familiar with his back catalog or anything. And um, and also for a while we were like really into Ernest Borgnine, and so we made a joke about this play called "The Importance of Being Ernest Borgnine." Now, and,
0: um, and when you say we, you mean like you and me and our friends outside of this podcast? Yeah, you said it like it was <laughs>
1: <laughs> not like you and I have this podcast joke about this play called "The Importance of Being." Ernest Check out Bourbon. our
0: yeah. Ernest Borgenheim podcast. It's on OK Podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Toward the bottom. <laughs> yeah.
0: What did you know about the play? So you'd heard about the play. It is a pretty. I, it's a cultural landmark. It's a. Yeah. It's a touchstone. I
1: didn't know much about it. I knew that it was a comedy. Okay. Um, I knew it wasn't very long, and these are both things that I was kind of looking for in <laughs> a in a book for this week. <laughs> they that's keep, kind that's of a my, good that's section kind of, of the sum... bookstore.
0: Hmm? I like that section of the bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> the short comedies.
1: Um. And yeah, I did I, like. Other than that, I didn't really know much about it at all. Like, I didn't know. The plot, I didn't know how old it was, though the age of it surprised me a little bit, you know, knowing as little about Oscar Wilde as I do.
0: Did you figure out how old it was before or after you read the play?
1: Well, I mean, when I I looked it up on Wikipedia first. Oh, okay.
0: All right.
1: (laughs) And at that point, I said, yeah, it premiered in 1895, which is is pretty old. And a lot of the time when you go back that far, the books can be kind of hard to get into and inaccessible but mm-hmm. that was not i didn't find that to be the case of this one
0: so did it was it funny i I imagine it was short <laughs> i imagine the length of it has not changed
1: it's definitely one of those that would have benefited from i would have liked it more had i seen it performed I i liked it fine and it was very funny in like a clever way but you know it's not like i was i was laughing out loud Literally I was going to ask myself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you should have been reading it out loud to yourself. <laughs> that would have been the best. I was going to ask if it was funny off the page. I haven't read it. I've seen it once. I don't think I've seen it twice. Um, and I've seen a play uh, that uses it as fodder for a bunch of other scenes. But mm-hmm. I I've think I've only seen it once.
1: It's funny, but it would be funnier with. You know talented people doing the I think the physical comedy that is often implied and also um, and also you know putting in like the pauses and beats and stuff in the in the text or like reading reading given lines with like one of the things about this play is it treats a lot of serious topics as kind of frivolous like especially marriage it treats as something that is more trouble than it's worth (laughs) Or like fundamentally, <laughs> fundamentally bad. And so, yeah, re- hearing an actor or actress say the um, the lines about like marriage, especially in the kind of bored way that, or like satirical way that the play approaches them, would would probably have made it funnier. But
0: all right, well, let's start from the beginning. We'll see if we can pinpoint any points that you thought were actually funny or or needed illumination. Okay, um, walk me through the circumstances of the play. What is what is this play about? Who who are these people?
1: Okay. So there's this guy named Algernon. Okay. And he lives in the city. What city? In, uh London, okay. right? Just <laughs> making sure. Like the the one, <laughs> the city. <laughs> <laughs> um and he has this friend named Jack who lives out in the country i don't know exactly where in the country you know before you before you ask
0: <laughs> yeah okay he lives in england i imagine
1: yeah like in the english countries though. okay great um and jack has this love interest named gwendolyn who is Algernon's um cousin i think
0: yeah, it sounds about right
1: yeah and um jack has this this girl who he's raised from infancy named cecily
0: Yes, his ward.
1: Yeah, so those, and then um, there's one more character, Lady Bracknell, who is Algernon's aunt. Yes, um, so those are those are the five characters who really factor in in a big way. Like there are a couple other minor ones, but they they appear less often, I guess, and I got I got less of a sense of them, I guess.
0: Okay, yeah, they're they're bit players. They're not the so
1: Algernon and Jack are talking. Great, and it. Comes and Algernon brings up this thing called bun burying.
0: Yeah, I don't. Is it bun burying, bun burying?
1: I don't know. I'm gonna say bun burying,
0: but like you're burying burying your buns, yes, bury your butt in the sand.
1: It turns out that Algernon has this fictitious friend named Bunbury who (laughs) lives out in the country. And is really ill, and so whenever Algernon has like a social obligation or something that he wants to get out of, he will say he has to go visit his ill friend Bunbury that's out a, in the.
0: I forgot that detail. That explanation. <laughs> yeah. That's great.
1: Yeah, and and the name Ernest is like way more important in yes. the book. Like that's the one that the that the play kind of revolves around. But it's not like the name that Algernon uses. is Not like Ernesting. It's Bunburying. It's, <laughs> it's this fake person. <laughs> Who you never even like, quote unquote, meet in the in the play.
0: I don't know why. I was I was reading a little bit uh, about the play um, before we started, and it was bringing up kind of elements of it being a play about nothing in a way. Like it is about you know treating serious matters trivially, um, but there's also an element of just light entertainment to it as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It got me thinking about Seinfeld, and then you were just describing. Bunburying, and all i could think about was kramer like that sounds like a kramer thing
1: i don't know i think it sounds like a george thing
0: (laughs) yeah but in the in the like it excuse uh, me to all our listeners who are not well versed in seinfeld but it seems like a bob sacramento kind of thing or like (laughs) you know an art well that's a george thing if it's an art vandalay thing or you know yeah it's like an
1: alter ego that you use as like an excuse to to get with women because yeah that, that ends up so Algernon is explaining to Jack about bun burying, and it turns out that Jack does his own version of bun burying. What he, does he call it? He lives out. He doesn't have a name for it. He just okay. lives out. He lives out in the country and whenever he wants to go to town, he pretends he's coming to like spring his brother Ernest, his his ne'er do well brother Ernest from <laughs> jail or something like he has <laughs> to come help his brother Ernest out.
0: Oh, so he has to have excuses to get into the city. Yeah. And Algernon needs an excuse to get out of the city. Yes. Classic duo. <laughs> Classic.
1: And the twist, I guess. Oh. I don't know if it's a twist, but um, Gwendolyn, who is, who is Jack's love interest, only knows, you know, she lives in the city and she only knows him as Ernest. Uh oh. And so there is a. I mean, in act one, it's a three act play. He, Jack proposes to Gwendolyn.
0: As Ernest.
1: Yeah, as okay. Ernest. And here's like the exchange. <laughs> and Jack says, This is Jack. But you don't really mean to say that you couldn't love me if my name wasn't Ernest. Gwendolyn. But your name is Ernest. Jack. Yes, I know it is. But supposing it was something else, do you mean to say you couldn't love me then? Gwendolyn glibly. Ah, uh, that is clearly a metaphysical speculation, and like most metaphysical speculations, it has very little reference to all the actual facts of real life as we know. <laughs> And it just kind of they kind of bounce back and forth for a little while, where Jack is trying to figure out if she would marry him if his name was not Ernest, and she says pretty much no. Like that's the, like that's the thing I find the most interesting about you.
0: <laughs> that's ridiculous. This plays great.
1: That's why it's a farce. It's farcical.
0: Yeah, it is far. It's very farcical. Very yeah. mistaken. And why does Algernon start calling
1: himself Ernest? OK, so he finds out through Jack, like he and Jack are talking in the first act and he finds out that Jack has this, you know, this ward, Cecily, who has just conveniently come of age and is very comely. And like he gets Jack's address and he goes out there. And to get in, he says that he's Jack's brother, Ernest, like, oh, no to the country to visit. <laughs> no and so so the same thing happens as he meets cecily and he says oh i'm so in love with you and she says oh i'm in love with you too i write you these like i write you i write myself love letters from you based on the stories that jack tells me about you (laughs) and so he proposes to cecily and the same thing comes up like could you love me if my name was not Ernest? And she says, no.
0: <laughs> Tune in to next week when Andrew finds another funny story to read to me. <laughs> that's all that we do. And Cause this is delightful is. moments like that. Like the, the moments you just kind of talked about where the characters are, you know, searching out an answer that the audience, we know exactly what they want. And one character knows more than the other. Um, Do you, when you're reading it off the page, and since you were reading it not knowing the story ahead of time, like, are you, is there an element of suspense? Are you, like, waiting to see what happens? Are you just kind of like, because I'm thinking to the experience of watching it, and I imagine, and if I'm recalling correctly, there's a lot of, like, squirming of, like, oh, no, I, oh, God,
1: like. Yeah, there's a lot of squirming. There are a lot of, there are a lot of, exchanges like that where one character is obviously trying to suss something out and one character is like dancing around it like not realizing what it what they're yes. doing. Yes. Um there's another one where Gwendolyn and Cecily meet and they both realize that they're engaged to Mr. Ernest Worthing. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> because Jack as Ernest has has proposed to Gwendolyn and um and uh, Algernon as Ernest has has proposed to cecily (laughs) yes of course and of course they are like they are going to go get like rechristened as Ernest, (laughs) because that's all these women are interested in (laughs) and um yeah that that's that's the point i wanted to talk about is like one of the things that comes up over and over again in this book is that People are really down on like the institution of marriage, which I would think that, you know, in in 1895 in England would be like nigh insurmountable, like this huge institution that you kind of can't not participate in.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the. And I
1: guess I would go back to like Jane Austen a little bit. maybe. Yeah. In mean, time Jane period Austen's... is not that far removed.
0: That's like a little over 100 years, I think. Yeah. Um okay, never mind. No, 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 but there's there's very much uh to be drawn between like when this was written and say something like Downton Abbey or something mm-hmm. else that is sort of very popular <laughs> right now. You know, which is not again also not too far from Jane Austen just in terms of, you know, manners and mores, but the importance of marriage for, you know, certain castes of people and and women especially. What's interesting historically is that this is the play that led to Oscar Wilde getting thrown in jail um, for uh, um, ostensibly a gross indecency. Um, read well, it was it was homosexuality, homosexuality right. yeah. Um, and the person who led that charge was the Marquess of Queensbury, who was the father of Wilde's lover, um, Alfred Douglas. And they barred the Marquess from coming to the opening night of Ernest, because he promised that he would bring a bouquet of rotten vegetables <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and throw it at Oscar Wilde during the bows. <laughs> and so they prevented him from coming to see the play, and then that launched a whole like series of private prosecutions that led to libel, and, and then Wilde ended up in jail
1: um and did he i mean did he write anything after that was he this, like, wrote what did he what was his body of work like after he was i guess outed uh
0: i think he only wrote two more things he wrote uh something called de profundis which is just a, a letter um that has to do you know it's just kind of him working through his spirituality at that point and then he wrote a Something called the Ballad of Reading of Reading Jail. Sorry, it's not Reading Jail. No, (laughs) Um, but it's a poem about living in prison. And then he died at 46, so he was born in 54. So he was in his third. No, he was in his early 40s when Ernest happened, and he died not long after that. Mm -hmm. Um, so this kind of he kind of went real sour after this play.
1: It wasn't like a direct result of this play but it was all like around the play.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it had it's from what I understand it had uh some critical support and some detractors as well. Um and we'll come back to that after you kind of share some of your quotes that I think you yeah. might have found.
1: <laughs> yeah, there there are a lot of sections in here that are down on the institution of marriage and there's there's one like Lady Bracknell only shows up twice. Okay. But she kind of holds the keys. Like she's kind of, she gets to say yes or no to everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like as as Algernon's aunt and um, Gwendolyn's, I think she's Gwendolyn's mother. Um, She kind of gets to say yes or no to these different marriages that are being proposed. And so there's this big scene at the end where she's kind of, where she's fighting with Jack and she's trying you know, people are trying to get her to give consent. And there's there's this line where she says, To speak frankly, I am not in favor of long engagements. They give people the opportunity of finding out each other's character before marriage, which I think is never advisable.
0: <laughs> well, and that's that's also coming out of a world where divorce is not gonna happen, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, like it's there are all these little like endless pot shots at at marriage and the institution of marriage older years um the the algernon and his butler lane are talking about um this party that had been had a few nights before and algernon saying why is it that at a bachelor's establishment the servants and servants invariably drink the champagne i ask merely for information and lane says i attribute it to the superior quality of the wine sir i have often observed that in married households the champagne is rarely of a first rate brand Algernon says, good heavens, is marriage so demoralizing as that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I
0: wonder if, you know, I wonder if Wilde writes about marriage that way, if he's uh, a straight man in that society, you know?
1: Yeah, or if, like...
0: Not not that... Uh, not that his being gay automatically means that he feels that way about marriage, but in a society where he would then be put to trial for being gay, you yeah. know?
1: Or, like, might even be forced societally into into a marriage with a woman that he obviously would not care for either. Yes. Um,
0: and I guess something to that I think contrasts with earlier stuff from Wilde uh, and leads to a lot of people initially d- dismissing this play as kind of not being about anything like Algernon and and Jack they're pretty other than the bunburying they're pretty stand up dudes right they're not like bad you know they're not bad guys right
1: yeah i mean they're kind of another thing that this play takes you know those pot shots at is is high society yeah yeah yeah, yeah. to to some small extent like they these these guys seem they seem pretty well to do, but also pretty idle. Like they don't have a ton that they have to do if they have all this time to go about bun burying and yes, and like yes, making yes, yes, all yes. these trips from town to country. And well, and I don't yeah, know that like you they, could... they're obviously high class enough to have like servants and and stuff. But yeah, and they I think don't that... seem they have like investments that are vaguely mentioned, but <laughs> they they don't seem to have like occupations or they don't seem to be working class.
0: No, of course not. And, of course, that's a comment on anybody who would have been going to see the play anyway. Yeah, right. Um, But I don't think that they're, like... There's not... Adultery does not exist in the play. There's no, like, people who are going to be scandalized or lose their inheritances over anything, right?
1: No, it's, like, it's not about people... Like, people don't get hurt in this play. And even in the instances where... People could get hurt. Like, you know, when, when uh, Gwendolyn and Cecily find out that they've kind of been duped into thinking that these two guys are named Ernest, Um, you know, they, they get over it pretty quickly. <laughs> like, they forgive them pretty quickly <laughs> because they explain why they had lied. And yeah. it was only because they are so, like, nuts about these women.
0: Because <laughs> I think what I'm slowly, slowly working towards, very slowly, is that I know an earlier play of his uh, an ideal husband is at least it's more about like it, it is a comedy of manners in a lot of ways but there's a, there's like a whole plot that involves a woman from a man's past or at least knows something about him and she's trying to extort something from him and there's like blackmail and stuff mm-hmm. um and that feels much more of a like direct commentary on on that specific theme whereas from my recollection this is much more about people working themselves into stupid situations and then <laughs> trying to gyrate their way out of it you know
1: yeah yeah i mean it does it the thing that it implies about marriage throughout is that like once you like like wanting to get married is obviously fine and it's like a main motivator for these two characters but like once you're in a marriage, of course, like all sexual attraction is out the window. Like <laughs> you can barely even like each other. Like they're talking about Aldrin is talking to Jack about this. Um, this woman who like flirts with her own husband. Mm-hmm. And he says the amount of women in London who flirt with their own husbands is perfectly scandalous. It looks so bad. It is simply washing one's clean linen in public. Oh, No. <laughs> That's terrible. It's, yeah, so it's just there's. Well, there's then a what does Jack think's going to happen? They don't really. I mean, they don't. They have this dim view of marriage, but also, yeah, like I said, it's the only thing that they both really want throughout this play is to get married to the people who they like, and it's not really. They don't really go into why. <laughs> they don't really go into these conflicting things and like explain them. It's all just played for laughs. Pre-
0: yeah, presented as. Hypocrisy to laugh at, I suppose yes yeah. yeah yeah um huh do you think that's what the play is ultimately saying like is it what is like i think and i've I've in the past I think written off importance of being earnest as as mostly jokes and witty banter um is that what it reads like does it read as say, having a little more to say or not?
1: Even, I mean, even when it seems like it's trying to say something, you can't tell how serious Wilde is, is being. And That's he does, an you know, point. he he occasionally takes these these contradictory positions on things and doesn't really come down on one side or the other. I mean, the play has a happy ending. Basically, um, Jack, Jack, who was like orphaned and he didn't know who his parents were, he finds out that not only is he Algernon's brother, but his, you know, his original Christian name was the name he shared with his father and his father's name was Ernest. And so he is Algernon's brother and he is named Ernest.
0: So he was not lying. Er, He never was like, he had a brother named Ernest who happened to be Algernon sort of. (laughs) And he is named Ernest. It all works out. He had,
1: he had a brother who lived in town and his name is Ernest. But (laughs) yeah, Jack is, he's talking about how everything he, 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 had been saying this whole time turned out to be true and he just he says Gwendolyn, it's a terrible thing for a man to find out suddenly that all his life he's been speaking nothing but the truth (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah it has a it has a happy ending where he is earnest and Gwendolyn loves him and aunt augusta gives her permission for algernon and cecily to be married and everybody's happy at the end but it really it doesn't seem like it's got much of a point to make it seems like without without knowing Wilde's views on some of this stuff already and you know even if we do historically like i don't as the as the reader or like the viewer of this play because i don't know a ton about his life it's it's hard to it's hard to say what he's taking a strong position on and what he's just playing up for the goofs you know (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think the one quote that I could find uh, from him about the play that seemed perfect and also seems to fit with your earlier assessment of kind of hypocritical or two stances on one subject, he said that it was... Uh, that we should treat all trivial things in life very seriously and all serious things in life with a sincere and studied triviality. <laughs> Freaking Oscar Wilde.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely an approach that he takes in this play. And and, and I think that, like, I'm not going to try and trundle through my Kindle app and find it, but I think some version of that sentiment comes out in the play. Like, not verbatim, but, you know, yeah. that that line is echoed. In well,
0: this play and I found I found a uh, I will I will credit Wikipedia for some of these quotes. I'll say that much. Okay. Um but I found one from H. G. Wells, actually our old friend H. G. Wells, who liked the play a lot, and uh, he wondered whether people would fully see its message. And this is the quote: "How serious people, serious people capitalized, will take this trivial comedy intended for their learning remains to be seen. No doubt, seriously." <laughs> so i think that that idea that it is a play about these higher class people with from Wilde's perspective very trivial views um taking it all very seriously is meant to be performed for those same people
1: yeah i guess i guess that would be the takeaway is like don't be so serious all the time why why so serious why so serious
0: (laughs) thanks joker didn't know (laughs) that oscar Wilde played the joker in that movie (laughs) <laughs> did you hear that Oscar Wilde, some people, then died? is that
1: no that's that's apocryphal i was just gonna <laughs> say that some people just want to watch the world bunbury but you interrupted my joke oh no i'm sorry <laughs> but i guess that's you know this is a short it's a short sweet play and that's, I guess, all I have to say about it. My timer says we're nearing the 30-minute mark, which yeah, is shorter than we normally do. That is shorter down.
0: than we normally do. Um, do you I have any
1: think... other like, closing questions or closing things to questions. talk about?
0: What does the play um, give, in a sense, of the setting? I guess that's, you know, that's one of the things I think about in a play. To, and is that something that kind of was formulating in your mind, since I'm sure that it's... I don't know how it's printed. Did he spend a lot of time describing where the play takes place or not?
1: Um. No, there aren't a lot of there aren't there certainly aren't many set directions or anything like the bulk of it takes place in Algernon's, you know, house or wherever it is that he lives. And mm-hmm. then in later in Jack's house. So, you know, you just you get a picture of like these vaguely aristocratic, like well to do homes. Yeah. But you don't like he doesn't. The setting isn't immensely important. Like I think this play would be really easy to set up because you really don't you don't need much in the way of setting. You don't need much in the way of props. Like it's very much about the wordplay and like watching the characters kind of bounce off of each other.
0: Yeah, and I, I imagine that what they probably would have done, at least at the time, was try to recreate whatever the architectural fashion was of the time. You know. Yeah,
1: like that's that's what. Uh, what i think would happen now like my fiance was saying that her high school put up a production of this and it seems like as long as you could i guess as long as you lived in a community that would go in for that sort of thing like i don't know the place where i came up i don't think would have gotten much out of the importance of being earnest do you th- but, uh, do
0: you think or do you think that it is an immensely popular play and i think part of that might just be because it is satisfying on a word play level. You know what I mean? With That is, and from a, like, just a dramatic architecture level. And yet maybe you miss the, the you know, if you have any moral objections to what the play is saying, yeah. perhaps you've missed it because it was too funny. I don't know. Yeah,
1: maybe. I mean, and it, it does seem like the kind of thing that you can think is funny without really thinking too hard about what else it's trying to say or like what it, you know, the institutions it's poking fun at.
0: Yeah. I would, I would, uh, not necessarily implore you. I would suggest perhaps if it, if we were to do a further reading list, um, would be to, uh, read some Alan Ekborn, who's a British playwright from the sixties and seventies. And now he's still going. Mm-hmm. Um, but his, it's not as, uh, it's not as heavy on wordplay, but it's very similar in kind of setting up these comedic structures uh, where there's lots of if not mistaken identity, but then like mistaken actions or, you know, people seeing things they're not supposed to between two other characters and um, definitely blowing up conventional or at least pointing out hypocrisies in relationships, mm-hmm. you know, marriages and and illicit relationships and stuff like that. And a lot of those plays do feel like they were written purely to entertain and he's said as much. And then it's only upon like producing it or reading it a second time or something that I've ever found that I find something deeper, you know?
1: Yeah. Like there are elements of social commentary, but definitely if you're just, if you're just seeing it casually or reading it casually, that's not the first thing I don't think that would come to mind
0: yeah and and yet it has to mean something to people because it's stuck around for so long you know yes. yeah it's we're we're still interested in what's funny about it i'll say that like a lot of times when i'm watching uh shakespeare that i'm not a fan of sometimes <laughs> it's the comedy that loses me because it's you know the verse isn't as interesting, and you know, generally those scenes are less about the plot than about like specific language jokes that I just don't get because I'm not right, from yeah. the 1600s. <laughs> um, I think it probably helps that Oscar Wilde was writing close to the turn of the 20th century, so there's less of a language gap. Did you find yeah. any sort of language gap? That's a great question. No,
1: actually. I mean, not not really. There was, I guess, you kind of have to. It took me a few exchanges to kind of break into the to the way they turned phrases and maybe even to like the Britishness of it. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, there really, I mean, there really wasn't anything that I didn't get just because I, you know, just because I wasn't alive in 1895 <laughs> in England. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess the reason this would resonate and I don't know if it will like continue to resonate forever or if eventually it will start to be like a Shakespearean comedy thing and kind of lose its, its edge. But you know, there are still people who take things too seriously. There are still, um, you know, the the institution of marriage is still, like, enough of a thing and enough people take it seriously enough that it can stand to be, like, lampooned.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't think we're going to so run out of that anytime it, soon.
1: Yeah, so many people treat it as, like, an in, an end in and of itself without thinking about I don't know what, you know, what emotions and stuff go into a marriage that works really well. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Can I ask you a personal question? Okay. As someone who is going to get married in the future. Okay. What do you think about that or any of it? Does it, you know what I mean? I don't really have a specific question except you're like setting up all, you found a lot of the jokes about marriage very funny.
1: I don't want to get myself in trouble.
0: Okay, great. That's a great answer. No, I mean I can.
1: <laughs> I think that marriage is very nice and def- I mean certainly there are legal benefits. Like no, you know, no joke, Susanna and I have talked about the possibility of having something like small and private for, you know, reasons of health insurance. Yes. And yes, I yes, don't yes. think that's entirely uncommon against <clears throat> people Um, of our like not just of our generation but of like the particular mindset that we're in like like I think marriage is is a great thing if you approach it intelligently and if you like take the time you need to make sure that you are like really compatible with this other person and that you like really are a good team and you really can like put up with each other (laughs) well and I think yeah Um,
0: I I think now as someone who's not getting married (laughs) I will put my two cents in now Um, you're gonna get in trouble no i just mean soon i just mean that i'm not engaged um that it it can be it doesn't have to be the thing it's always been i guess is that the point you're kind of making is like yeah
1: kind of like like Susanna and i live together we um we you know pay for stuff together we um you know, we rent our apartment together. Now, you know, now that we live kind of in a city, we're down to one car that we share. Like functionally. Yes. We are, we are like a a love unit.
0: <laughs> I support equal love unit rights. <laughs> so,
1: so I guess like we, when we get, when we actually get married, it'll be like a legal thing. But are you going to frame once, your
0: certificate and put it on the wall? I mean, maybe, I don't know. That would be sweet. Um,
1: Once we and and this kind of happened with with getting engaged, at least to me, like I was expecting it to feel different just because the label was different. But, you know, after you get past that, that, you know, that initial period of not just expecting it to be different, but it feeling a little different because you're like excited it kind mm-hmm. of settles you like you settle back into the, the thing that you had before because you were still people who loved each other, who lived together and did stuff together.
0: And whatever that thing was before is why you're doing it in the first place. Yeah. yeah. So like,
1: like marriage is a label, but people treat it as though it's this thing that should be aspired to. And I, I think they're kind of missing. I don't want to say they're missing the point, but I think they're in danger of missing the point. Like the point of it is the relationship between the people. Who like each other enough that they want to, to you know, enter into this, this commitment?
0: I think or, you could you know, see it as it almost. Does that make sense? Yeah, I could think. You, I think you could see it as almost jeopardizing the point if you look at it that way. Like if you, yeah, like putting the the capital M marriage on top of the relationship itself you know, on the list of priorities.
1: Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm. I guess I'm, like people should be cognizant of where I came from, which is like, it was pretty conservative. It was pretty religious, like, you know, abstinence only kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. If you're with somebody for like, I I, I don't think that my dad feels this way anymore, but he did once tell me that, you know, by the time you had been into in a relationship for like two years, you need to be thinking about getting engaged or stop wasting everybody's time. Was so don't i don't like i i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that my dad doesn't know how to get podcasts off of okay podcasts onto his iPod but um i don't i don't think he feels that way anymore because he hasn't said anything like that to me in like a decade but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah there definitely there is that especially among um I, I mean, I don't want to pigeonhole anybody, but I think like stereotypically among like conservative people and religious people, marriage is often just treated as a next step, and it's a thing that you just do well and I, because I think it's the, the next thing that you do you know i I think
0: there are people who are i think it's very well meaning I think it's
1: oh no, i don't yeah i don't I don't think people do it because they feel like they have to or anything but i I do think that sometimes. That kind of thinking where it's just like the next thing and like, oh, X amount of time has passed, so maybe we should get married. Like, I think that that is what that is where you start getting into divorce rates. And
0: yeah. And I, I I will say, however, that on the flip side, like I don't want to I would never want to invalidate someone's own personal clock when the, no. when that, you know, when it starts to be like, but wait a minute, that was something that was important to me. And why hasn't that happened yet? You know, it's okay if it's something that's important to you personally. Um, But I think kind of what you and I are in agreement about is that don't look outward for why it's important. Yes. I don't know. We're we're trying (laughs) to get on a pulpit here, I think.
1: No, I, yeah, I don't, I like, I don't want to tell anybody that their way of getting together was wrong. Like my, my um, parents met in college and they got married when they were 21, and then about six months after that, I was born. <laughs> hey, hey! <laughs> and they're like, they're still together, and they're very happy together, and they like laugh, and they're very compatible, and you know. But there are a Andrew, million I love relationships. Oh, there are metrics... a million relationships that started that way that did not end well.
0: I know? adore that one of your metrics for a happy marriage is that your parents still laugh. I love that.
1: I don't, you know, it seems important.
0: They laugh and they are compatible. Put a stamp on it. It's good to go. (laughs)
1: Listen, man.
0: (laughs) I think we're about good to go.
1: I think we'll head on out. Yeah, we were going to end early and then we started talking about marriage. Yeah, it's okay. Marriage. We started having an earnest discussion. Oh,
0: shut up. We're getting out of here. (laughs) If you want to share your thoughts on marriage, you can tweet them or put them on our Facebook. Uh, Both of them use slash overdue pod. Uh, You can also email to us at overdue at gmail.com.
1: Uh, We also have a website on the internet at www.overduepodcast.com. Up there, we have listings for uh, this week's episode and the next two weeks' episodes and all of our old episodes. In addition to having, you know, um, description pages and, you know, little embedded web players that you can use to listen to the show, um, you can also find Amazon links where you can go to Amazon, you can buy the books, you can support us a little bit, give us some of that green. And uh, that will help us pay for, like, books and web hosting and other things. And we also have our RSS feeds and our iTunes store links up there on that website. If you wanted to subscribe to us in iTunes and rate and review us in iTunes, that really helps us out because it makes us look really good to people (laughs) who are looking for podcasts.
0: Uh, I also just want to thank anyone uh, who is kind of sharing or or connecting to us uh, either on Facebook or in the real world talking about the show. I, I know. It happens occasionally and, and I really appreciate it. I know Andrew does too. So thank you. Yeah, yeah Yes. We'll uh see you next week. I'm reading the lighthearted tragedy of Medea for next <laughs> week.
1: Alright, so we're jumping right we're jumping <laughs> jumping right, right in. back into it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll see you then.
1: Okay. Try to be happy, everyone.